All right, let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, again for your word, for your truth. We ask, Lord, that you would please make this message, this last message, Lord, um, help us, help our eyes to be opened and help us to see what you need us to see in these last days. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay. I'd like for you to open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. And uh, while we're turning there, let me just mention this. Um, uh, the only form of entertainment that I'm against is ungodly entertainment. Does that make sense? <laughs> Anything that leads us away from God, that moves us away from God, which unfortunately is a whole lot, I, I, that's what I'm against. So, um, you know, we can go into that a little bit later, but I just want to let you know, uh, not all TV is bad, right? Um, anything that is that points our minds in the direction of God, of his creation, uh, of things that are good, holy, righteous, those things are good. But, but, but most of, probably all of what Hollywood is doing is designed for one purpose, to make them money, and the devil is using that purpose to steal your souls. Okay? So, uh, I, I want to just, you know, I really didn't have time to finish my last message because of the time constraint, but uh, I want to move on into this study because this is really going to open our eyes to some very, very important things. Um, by the way, as we're going through this study, you may be a little bit, you know, you may be confused. I hope you won't be, but you may wonder, okay, where is this going? This is an entertainment workshop, but I guarantee you, don't lose me. Be with me. If somebody just say, stop, pastor, wait, I'm behind. Don't, don't let me leave you behind, okay? okay. I'm going to be checking frequently to see if you're following me, all right? Yeah. Revelation chapter 13 Revelation chapter 13, verse 1. John here says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. So John sees a beast rising up out of the where? The sea. Now, we understand this beast to represent the power of the Dark Ages, that uh, Roman church during the Dark Ages that ruled for how long? 1260 what years that's what we know as the dark ages okay so this beast is seen coming up from the where everyone from the sea okay notice with me revelation chapter uh chapter 13 we're going to move on down in fact let's let's look at this for a minute what did this beast from the sea do who tell me just throw it out what did this beast from the sea do it persecuted the people of God, and we're told that this beast would eventually receive a what? A deadly wound, okay? Now, when did the beast receive that deadly wound? 1798. So, this beast that the devil has been using to persecute the people of God receives a wound in 1798. The devil is saying, I've got to get a new what? A new power on the scene to do what? persecute the people of God. Okay? So, uh, notice with me, Revelation chapter, jump back with me very quickly, Revelation chapter 12. 
Revelation chapter 12 and uh, verse 14. It says, and to the woman, that is, who is the woman, by the way? The church. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she is nourished for a time, times, and half a time from the face of the serpent. That's the same time period, 1260 what? Years. So the woman went into hiding. While she was in hiding, the dragon was persecuting or the beast from the sea was persecuting. She was in hiding. And at the end of the 1260 years, notice verse 15. The serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. The earth helped the woman and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon uh, cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was angry with the woman and went to make war with who? The remnant of her seed. Now I want you to follow me now. Remember the beast from the sea has been persecuting who? The woman. But the woman is able to escape. At the end of the 1260 years, the dragon sees he's angry that the woman escapes. So he now turns his attention on who? The remnant of her seed. Okay? But he cannot yet attack the remnant of her seed with the beast from the sea. Because the beast from the sea has received a deadly wound. So we know then that in the last days, the devil is going to be after the remnant. What does remnant mean? Last or remainder. Some Bible translations say what? Offspring. Offspring. When you think of offspring, what do you think of? Children. In the last days, the devil understands that if he can cut off the offspring, if he can cut off the children, if he can cut off the young people, he has cut off the prosperity of the church. So when you hear that young people will finish the work, the devil knows that. So he now must, must craft an assault that will be directed not only against the remnant church, but in particular against the offspring, the young people. So let's see what happens. Revelation chapter 13, verse 11. Just at the time that John sees this first beast receiving a deadly wound. Look at verse 10. He that leadeth into captivity shall what? Go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Speaking about that beast that was dominating for 1260 years, it persecuted with the sword. It received a deadly wound by the sword. What happened in that, in that year? In that year, uh, the Pope was taken what? Captive, and the Vatican states lost their authority as a, as a nation or as a, as a state power. Okay, Received a deadly wound. Now notice what happens just around that time. Verse 11, I beheld another beast coming up out of the where? Earth. And he had two horns like a lamb and he spoke as a dragon. Who is this beast that comes up out of the earth? The United States of America. How do we know that? Number one, this beast is described as a what? As a lamb, number two, when would this power, when would this nation or power be coming into power? Just around the time when the first beast received its deadly what? Deadly wound. So who can tell me when did America, which by the way, the lamb represents who? Jesus. So we're looking at a what kind of a nation coming upon the scene? A Christian nation coming upon the scene, right? 
We look at the uh, Declaration of Independence. We look at, uh, you know, many of our founding documents. Our first president was in 1789, I believe it was. We were rising into power just around the end of the 1700s. How many of you follow that so far? Okay, didn't see too many hands. Nice and high, come on, you know how. There you go, okay. So we've got this beast that comes up where? From the earth. So we've got the beast from the sea. We've got the beast from the earth. And as Seventh-day Adventists, we have been keeping our eyes on both of these beasts. Because we know that one day the Bible says that these two powers will combine together to war against the remnant of God. Now, has that happened yet? Not yet. So, man, we're off the hook. Good, you know, we, we're not being attacked right now by, by either beast, so we're pretty safe. But I want to share with you, beloved, that the Bible speaks about another beast that Seventh-day Adventists have not been paying attention to. Let me share with you that other beast. Notice with me Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11. And let's take a look at verse 7. When you get there, say amen. Amen. Notice what the Bible says. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Now what is being described here is a beast that is said to rise out of where? An abyss or a bottomless pit. It says here that this beast would make war against them. Against who? You're you're saying, who's this beast going to make war against? We're going to find out. But now we find three different powers or beasts that arise. One from the See, one from the earth and one from the abyss. Now, we, don't, we, we focus on those two. We are not focusing on this beast from the abyss. Who or what is this beast from the abyss? Notice with me, Revelation chapter 11, verse 1. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and an angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar, and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, leave it out, measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot. How long? Forty and two months. How, what time period is that? Twelve hundred and sixty years. Notice verse 3. I will give power unto my two who? witnesses and they shall prophesy 1,200 and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. Who are these two witnesses? Very good. So I don't need to go through that explanation. Excellent. Old Testament, New Testament, Jesus says, search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and they are they which what? Testify of me. What do witnesses do? They testify. Why is this beast then, by the way, when does this beast come up against the two witnesses? At the end of the 1260 years. So in other words, beloved, at the same time that the American Revolution was taking place, we are told that another power would be rising upon the scene as well. Okay, you following me? The Bible says this beast would attack the two witnesses. Why? If you were a criminal, and there were witnesses to the crime you, were, you had done, what would you seek to do to those witnesses? Kill them. Kill them. 
These two witnesses, the word of God, the Old and the New Testament, God has given us because this beast attempts something so incredible, so unbelievable, so amazing that, the, that, that this beast does not want the people of God to hear the testimony of the word of God. God has given us this book, beloved, for a reason. It is to warn us of what is to come. And hence this beast seeks to destroy the testimony of these witnesses. You following me so far? So let's figure out a couple things about this beast. First of all, in all of Bible prophecy, beasts are always described. Why? Because God is giving us clues as to, as to what the beast represents, who it represents. So here's a beast like a lion, a beast like a, like a dragon, a beast like a leopard. And in all the Bible, every single beast we read about is described, but this beast is not described. There is no description for it. In other words, this beast is so un... It's, It would be so difficult to unveil, it would be hard to put your finger on it. You get that? This beast is so mysterious, so unique in its assault upon the people of God, that the people of God probably wouldn't even recognize it. No description. I mean, when you read a dragon with it, I mean, you're scared. But when John says, I couldn't even see the beast. Then you know that there's something serious about this beast. But the Bible does not leave us without description because if you notice in verse 8, it says that they would war against the two witnesses. Verse 8, their dead bodies shall lie in the street of that great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and what? Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. We are given an indication of where this beast or this power arises because it says they rise in where? Or in a place that is spiritually called Sodom and what? Egypt. Now, you may think that this has absolutely nothing to do with where you are today as a young person. I beg you, hold your opinion. I promise you, wait. So, we need to find out what is Sodom and what was Egypt known for? Sodom was known for what? Immorality, sexual what? Perversion. Egypt was known for what? It's denial of, of God. Okay? It's denial of the existence of God. Pharaoh said, who is God that I should what? That I should obey him. So we're looking then for power to arise just around the time that the American Revolution was going on. There would be another power coming up on the scene that would deny the existence of God and would promote sexual or, or, or lawlessness. I want you to notice this. One power would be, would be coming up in the name of Jesus, the other power would be coming up totally denying Jesus. What are we talking about? What is that power that arose? What nation are we looking at? The French Revolution. The French Revolution. Incredible what happened during the French Revolution. And that revolution, by the way, these revolutions took place just around the same time. France, 1791. America, 1780s, 1770s, 1780s. The American Revolution was based upon, a, 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 based upon religious what? 
freedom and the French Revolution, they just said, we don't want religion at all. They denied, they denied the existence of God, and what followed was called the reign of what? Terror. Of terror. We find Sodom and Egypt in the French Revolution. Who is God that we should obey him? Forget about God. The priests were taken into the streets and killed, and there ensued what was called the reign of terror or utter lawlessness. So, you say, Pastor, I know that. I read that in Great Controversy. Uh, you know, what's the big deal about the French Revolution happened so long ago. By the way, what's another word for revolution? Revolt or rebellion, isn't that right? Listen, did you know that the Bible says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft? Yeah. 1 Samuel 15, 23. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And if you look in your King James Bible, the word is and as are italicized, which means that the Bible is not saying that rebellion is something similar to witchcraft. It is saying rebellion is witchcraft. So I let you know, beloved, anytime you decide to rebel against God, you are under sorcery. Anybody know somebody (laughs) struggling with sorcery? (laughs) By the way, this is why we need a supernatural connection with God. Because sin is not natural. It is supernatural. That's why we can't get the victory over it in our human power. We need a supernatural connection with God. Anyway, that's a whole other sermon. So... Here this beast is the, the French Revolution. We might call the French what? Rebellion. What came out of that revolution? Nothing but witchcraft. In other words, sorcery was to rise up. Remember the definition of a sorcery? To medicate the mind so that it will not follow the will of God. So, and I now want to read a, a, a statement to you. From the book Education, page 228. Listen to what Ellen White says about the French Revolution. The spirit of unrest, of riot and bloodshed, the worldwide dissemination of the same teachings that led to the French Revolution, all are tending to involve the whole world in a struggle similar to that which convulsed France. Such are the influences to be met by the youth of today. Ooh. So now what we just heard is Ellen White says the same things that led to the French Revolution and indeed sprung out of the French Revolution that's been disseminated into the whole world that those same principles our young people are struggling with when? Now, today. And you're saying, Pastor, what in the world could have sprung out of the French Revolution or out of the abyss? That we are still dealing with now. So I have seven spells. That I want to share with you over the next hour and a half. Are you ready? That was all the setup. Was the setup good? Are you with me? We're on the same page right now? Okay, we know that something sprung out of the abyss. And it is that thing. Oh boy. (laughs) Can you imagine that? I mean, that was a cheap attack. 
I'll pull out your plug. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) so here is the, (laughs) here is the thing. The, 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 we have our eyes focused on the beast from the sea and the beast from the earth. And we're watching both these beasts saying, who's going to move first, America or the papacy, America or the papacy. And all the while, this invisible beast is assaulting and destroying the church of God. And we don't even realize it by the principles that sprung out. So let's take, take a look at some of these, these spells. I call them spells that sprung out of the abyss. Now, don't lose me because again, you're going to be like, okay, what does it have to do? Follow me, please. This is going to come right back to the Seventh-day Adventist church. Are you ready? Spell number one, transformism. Anybody ever heard of transformism? All right, transformism uh, was a teaching that sprung out of the French Revolution. In fact, uh, there was a scientist by the name of J.B. Lamarck. Anybody ever heard of J.B. Lamarck? Okay, J.B. Lamarck was a scientist, a French scientist, who lived during the French Revolution, and he uh, 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 was the scientist that first uh, put forth Uh, something, a new teaching in the realm of science. You see, the Bible uh, had always said uh, that God created man, but J.B. Lamarck, during the French Revolution, said, you know what? I'm putting forth a a theory that says that man was not created, but rather he transformed over over a period of time to what he is. Now, you might say, man, that sounds familiar, but J.B. Lamarck, I don't get it. Well, this might uh, strike a chord in your mind. There was another scientist some years Years later by the name of Charles Lyle. Charles Lyle had written, had read about J.B. Lamarck's material and said, well, you know, I don't agree with some of this. And he wrote a book actually refuting it. And uh, you might say Charles Lyle doesn't ring a bell either. Well, some years later, there was a man on an expedition to the Galapagos, I don't know how you pronounce it, islands. And uh, he had a book with him, uh, um, uh, Charles Lyle's book called The Principles of Geology. That young man's name was Charles Darwin. Darwin got his teaching of evolution from J.B. Lamarck and turned the name from transformism to evolution. Did you know that evolution sprung out of the abyss? The same teachings that have been disseminated from France. By the way, are we wrestling with evolution today? Isn't that interesting? Now, Now listen to this. This is why this is so powerful, beloved. Listen. What do the two witnesses say about the way the world was created? God created the world. This beast says, hey, the two witnesses, don't listen to what they said about creation. Don't listen to what they said about how we got here. This is how we got here. We don't need God. We don't need the Bible to explain our origins, the origin of species. Did you, did you, are you following me? This beast attacks the two witnesses and their testimony about how we got here. And now we see our young people all over. In fact, I just learned this today. It was in 1844. Anybody know this? 
a British naturalist by the name of Robert Chambers published the book Vestiges of the Natural History of Creation. This was the book that brought the notion of transmutation out into the public arena. 1844. Interesting. So now you say, well, Pastor, you know, okay, good. Uh, and by the way, you know Karl Marx, many of these other guys, Hitler, you know, based their whole movements off of much of Darwin's theory of evolution. Survival of the fittest. So do we see the principle that sprung out of the abyss having an effect on the whole world? Yeah, we do. Now you say, Pastor, okay, yes, the evolution and uh, creation debate, I like this. Can I tell you something? Uh, I believe that Many of us are, you know, evolution or creation. Which one is it? Uh, I, I can show you why evolution is not real. But you know what? I have, um, you're going to stone me now, but I believe in evolution. Nobody's laughing. Uh, I do. And uh, I think I have evidence. And let me explain to you what I mean. Don't stone. Put your stones down. <laughs> put them down. And uh, smile a little bit, please. Okay, you see, part of the teaching of evolution is that when the, it's called adaptation, when the environment changes, the species adapt to fit that environment. Hmm. <laughs> and I believe, beloved, that the devil has in a sense sent us on a rabbit chase against literal evolution, realizing as well that if I can manipulate the atmosphere through the media, through the fashions, through the philosophies, the species will adapt. And so, you know how we've been looking for the missing link? You know, where do you see a half monkey and a half man? I found the missing link. I tell you, I see it all the time. Half whirling. Half Christian. Evolution is going on before our eyes. The devil is manipulating the atmosphere in the hopes that the Adventist church, that the youth of our church will evolve, will adapt in order to survive in their environment. I call it atmospheric <laughs> pressure. And so in order to fit in, in order to survive, we are willing to what? Adapt. How many of you see evolution going on before you? You're still like, I don't know if I want to raise my hand about that, Pastor. <laughs> Beloved, it's really happening before our very eyes. 
So what I'm going to share with you now is that the other spells that spring out of the abyss are spells that are designed to manipulate the atmosphere so that the species will adapt. Are you ready? Spell number two, the spell of skepticism. How many of you remember the man by the name of Voltaire? Voltaire? You've read about him where? Great controversy, right? Or in history somewhere. Voltaire uh, was, was a, very key, a, a very key individual that led up to and, you know, the resulting French Revolution. He was one that, you, you got to understand, Voltaire was actually a play writer. Voltaire discovered a new weapon to attack the Bible and the church of that time. By the way, why did the people rebel against the church? What did the church do with the two witnesses? They suppressed them. And so because they had suppressed them, the people thought, well, if that's what the two witnesses are saying, we don't like the two witnesses. Had the people been allowed to read the word of God, they would have seen that the practices of the church were not... were in no way condoned by the word of God. But they turned on the word of God because they thought, well, they must be, if that's what the church is saying, that's what the word of God must be saying. So now Voltaire rises up. And by the way, at this time, what Voltaire began to do in his mockery of Christianity, I mean, Voltaire was like, he, he would just make people laugh. I mean, he actually put a, a satire. <laughs> Are you ready? Voltaire used the theater. I need to give you a couple of seconds there. Voltaire used the theater to attack the word of God. First time ever done. Because listen, throughout the dark ages, you know, the the church uh, was basically the the promoter of of any kind of uh, entertainment. The church, so everything was in line with with, with God and with, with at least their concept of spirituality. But now Voltaire was saying, we're breaking free from this. Forget about these chains you have us on. We're going to use everything to war against you. And Voltaire begins to write satire uh, and mockery against the word of God. Now, let me ask you, do we look in our theaters today? And see satire against the word of God? Are you following me? All right, so spell number two. Sat or or rather skepticism. Spell number three, eroticism. Or we might say sexual perversion. Listen. Um, Anybody ever heard of a man by the name of Marquis de Sade? Anybody ever heard of that name? Okay. Marquis de Sade, another Frenchman, lived during the French Revolution. Here's what happened during this time. Marquis de Sade, or <clears throat> rather, let me put it like this. Okay. Uh, one of the weapons that, that, the, the, that the French began to use against the priests and, and, and the leaders is they used what was called political pornography. 
They would actually, you know, draw obscene pictures in the newspapers of the day and say, look, this is what your king and queen are up to. This is what your priests are up to. This is what your, your, your religious leaders are up to. And it put a disdain in the eyes for the people. Oh, they lost respect for their leaders. And this is one of the things that helped lead to the French Revolution. Well, after that happened, Marquis de Sade comes along. Marquis de Sade is known in some circles as the prophet of modern pornography. In other words, what Marquis de Sade did was he took this political weapon and opened it up to the public in terms of just for pastime. Marquis de Sade's philosophy was anything goes. <laughs> he actually wrote a book called 110 Days of Sodom. Now, do you think Marquis de Sade was reading the Bible? No. Do you think he was reading Revelation chapter 11? which describes this beast as rising up out of a place spiritually called Sodom? No. And yet Marquis de Sade writes this book, and his philosophy is that anything that is breathing or moving is fair game for sexual activity. <laughs> Let me not go that far. But it was far. I mean, Marquis de Sade was basically the man. You ever heard the term coming out of the closet? Marquis de Sade set off that philosophy. Do we see that philosophy today? Oh, yeah. People saying, we're taking off the shackles. You know, we're, we're gay and we're proud. That philosophy, that mindset, beloved, uh, began with, or, or sprung out of the French Revolution. By the way, you may not realize this, but did you know that Darwin, Satan's spokesperson, spokesperson, had a theory of sexual selection? Did anyone know that? Let me read that theory to you. Sexual selection depends upon the success of certain individuals over others of the same sex in relation to the propagation of the species. He goes on to say, my object is solely to show that there is no fundamental difference between man and higher mammals in their mental faculties. What Darwin was saying was that we're just animals. We just reproduce, not because we love it. Love, what's that? Made in the image of who? God? What? No, 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 no. We're just beasts. We just, re we just have sex for the purpose of reproduction. We're just like animals. What you, what you need to understand, beloved, is that this theory, which is from the abyss, the pits of hell, is designed to cause people to think, to turn people from the image of God into the image of beasts. You understand what I'm saying? So, you know, when women say, oh, he's just a dog. Ooh. Darwin. Oh. Hmm. You see, what was set off was the philosophy that we don't need to... Hey, do, do dogs marry? <laughs> I mean, I'm not talking about you guys now. <laughs> I'm talking about literal dogs, okay? Real dogs. Do dogs marry? No. Do animals marry? No. You know, there's no need for commitment. 
So now as we see this philosophy working its way silently through uh, our youth of today, people are feeling less and less like what? Committing. You may not have known this. You're going to think I'm making this up. But did you know that Darwin had a theory on music? Let me read it to you. Darwin considered music and dance to be the single best. Oh, by the way, it's called Darwin's theory of music according to sexual selection. Listen, Darwin considered music and dance to be the single best example of mate choice having shaped a human behavioral trait. That is, music is a complex biological adaptation and its primary function evolved to attract males for reproductive purposes. <laughs> Should I explain it to you? Darwin said the only purpose of music is to prepare one for sexual activity. Come on, guys. <laughs> Think about what we're seeing today. In fact, I was stunned when I saw this article, January 14th, 2006. Sexual news, the news article says this, sexual selection, Darwin does Jamaica. Now I'm Jamaican, listen. But I don't include myself in this. Listen. <laughs> I to clarify that. A study of young Jamaicans dancing to pop music suggests that some of Darwin's ideas about animal courtship may apply to people. Now, why, he, why they use Jamaicans, I don't know. I'm kind of like, oh, come on, you know. Uh, like, Jamaicans are the only ones that... No, beloved, it's a humanity thing, okay? When you play certain kinds of music, what happens is that the animal traits... Listen, beloved. Darwin sat in Satan's office. I'm convinced. Uh, okay, what is that again? All right, okay, got it. Because as we see these things unfolding, we've got to understand that this is not just, it seems like confusion, doesn't it? All these things coming out. But listen, it is organized confusion. You're going to see just how organized this confusion is. We're still just scratching the surface. All right, so let's move on to spell number four. Spell number four is the spell of philosophy. The spell of what? How many of you remember reading in Great Controversy where she talks about a woman being paraded during the French Revolution and they deemed her or called her the goddess of what? Reason. What did they say? Forget about what? The Bible. Let reason be your God. And so what happens, beloved, is that this concept of humanism gets a jumpstart, a boost. What is humanism? What's right for me may not be right for you, but there is no such thing as absolute what? Truth. Do we find that philosophy present in today's society? Beloved, it got its boost out of the abyss. And so now we see people, oh, you know, hey, what's right for you is not right for me. And we're, we're going to come back to that in a minute because we're, I want to move on very quickly to spell number five, which is the spell of romanticism. Anybody ever know or have heard of the term romanticism? Anybody ever heard of a man by the name of Rousseau? Listen, the, the romantic movement 
The concept was this. While the, 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 the humanistic or movement of reason was going on on one end, trust your thoughts, the romantic movement said, no, 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 it's not your thoughts that matter, it's your feelings that matter. The Romantic era brought about the rise of the rebel poet, you know, the, the, or the rebel hero. You know, in, during the Dark Ages, the hero was always outstanding, well-dressed, you know, the hero, you know, like you would expect a hero to look. But in the Romantic era, the hero became the shaggy guy, the outcast of society. It became cool to be what? To be different, to buck against the system, to rebel against authority. The romantics of those days would be like the hippies of the 60s. That's who they were. Okay, so, so the romantic movement said, trust in your feelings. If it feels good, do it. How many of you see that philosophy? <laughs> Prevalent. Manipulating the atmosphere. All right, spell, let's see. You know what I'm going to do? Yeah, we're going to stop right here. Because it's 450. I mean, it's 3.50. So I'm going to give you guys a five-minute break. And you can just sit right here and stare at me if you want to. That's fine, too. <laughs> but this next spell, I'm going to... This next spell. No. <laughs> this next spell. <laughs> this next spell that's coming up is the one where we're going to tie all this together. And I, I tell you, you're about to see how shrewd and unbelievably cunning the enemy has pulled the wool over our eyes.